This episode of a Top 3 Podcast is brought to you by our friends and proud parents over at the Rat Hour Podcast with Rat Boy. It's your one-stop shop for discovering what's in Tim Allen's trash this week, dirty work quotes with no context, and rabid praise of the Cincinnati Reds' bullpen. And just for our listeners, brought to you by the grace of the tube, here's a sneak peek at this week's episode of The Rat Hour with Rat Boy. It's so dark in this tent, you know, it reminds me when we, the Beatles, the four Beatles, mm. us. From Liverpool. Yeah, we are from Liverpool. We used to play those dark clubs in Hamburg. Remember that ball? Of course I do, I booked them. I'm the leader of the Beatles. But I have to say, I like your stuff. It's pretty good, and uh, most of your records I really enjoy. Well, we're big fans of your records, too. We like to think that Hard Day's Night is our guiltiest charge. Great record. Excellent album. We learned a lot from it. Great record. Oh, that rat boy, he sure is something, huh? Well, if you want to find out what's really going on, you got to tune in to the Rat Hour with Rat Boy, part of the Tube Podcast Network. All right, let's start the show. And uh, this, uh, this is a top three podcast. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Top 3 Podcast, where we honor the time-old tradition of listing our favorite things and arguing about it. My name's Dave Jackson, joined today by Aaron Engel. Stop. Alan Nichols. Hey, everybody. Fan favorite, Bloodbath McGrath. It's great to be here. Uh, It's been a while. Just been uh, hanging out and pondering the old orb. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, same, dude, same. Same. Yeah. That's why that's I, you know, I gave a lot of reasons on that little update episode about why a top three podcast went to bi-weekly. And the actual reason is it's just, it's been a lot of orb time. A lot of orb pondering. Yeah. Don't really have time for anything else. We're also joined today by a very special guest, a top three enthusiast and co-host of the Pixel Project radio podcast, Rick Firestone. Hey, Rick. Hey, everybody, or should I say hello, goodbye? Oh. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, See you bye. later. Wait, real quick, your last name <laughs> is go to the Firestone. Kit. Firestone yeah. is the coolest last name I've ever heard in my entire life, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that a lot. Are you the heir to a tire fortune? There it is. I was wondering how long it would take for that one to come up. <laughs> Bloodbath, Bloodbath is very clever. He's very clever. He's our man. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> People can change bloodbath. It's okay. So today's episode is about our top three Beatles songs. And before we get started, we just uh, want to say if you would like to support a top three podcast, the best thing that you can do is to tell your friends and subscribe and rate and review and follow us on social media at a top three podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook also. And you can leave your own top three when we post our episodes. You can uh, talk to us about our picks, but also you can participate in our listener top threes where you can send in your own top threes for our topics before recording and we'll include them in the show. So check the episode description for links to those pages and let's get started. 
If this is your first time listening to the show, the way it works is we've all picked our top three Beatles songs today. We're going to take turns. Everyone says their number threes, then number twos, number ones at the end, and then quick honorable mentions and listener top threes. So, the Beatles. I want to get this started by just saying, like, kind of our relationship with the Beatles and whether we're fans or not, and whether this top three was very easy or if it was the hardest top three we've ever done on the show. <laughs> so, um, Aaron, why don't we get started with you? Uh, yeah, they're, they're okay. Like they're, they're fine. I, uh, I like enough of their songs to do this podcast willingly. Um, yeah, they're, they're all right. I, I like some of their songs. They're good. They're just, it's not really my thing. You know, I was, uh, I found a way to make all of my answers like make sense. Cause they all sort of sound like keep yourself alive by queen. Yeah, uh, and that, that's, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of what, you know, that, that was kind of like what got me to the finish line. But yeah, they're, they're okay. You know, lots of people love them. I, Alan's always loved them. My roommate in college, Jess Crane, she loved them. They, they're, they're fine. Okay. So Alan, how do you feel about the Beatles? Um, I, I enjoy the Beatles. Uh, they were probably the first popular music band that I listened to, like, after I stopped listening to Disney soundtracks, so I was, like, 14, 15. Um, yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and uh, and I, uh, I listened to, my mom had, um, it must have been Rubber Soul on cassette tape, and she let me listen to that when I got a Walkman and l- listened to something other than just a lot, really just a Lion King soundtrack, okay, before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. For so, that was your graduation yeah. present for high for uh, from high school was right being able to exactly. listen to something other than the Lion King soundtrack. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I got my walk person in two thousand and four, and then and then I got you know my first Beatles tape in two thousand six. Just dated us, everybody. There we go. Yeah. Um, but I I love the Beatles. Like I, like I was saying, I don't know if it was recording earlier when we were talking, but I haven't listened to them a lot for the last year or so, um, or maybe longer. Not purposely, just, you know, I've been listening to new music. And uh, so this was a really tough one for me. Yeah. Like, really, really tough. I could have had a top 30 list. I spent a ton of time just listening to Beatles songs. It was extremely enjoyable. Highly recommend it to everybody. I'll stop talking because I know Dave wants to move on, but I like the Beatles. How do you know I want to move on? Is it <laughs> I because could, I want to move on? Is that how you I know? I can feel it in the timbre <laughs> of your voice. Um, <laughs> Alan, Alan's being so coy. Alan is the biggest Beatles fan I know, and that's a 100% compliment. His love for the Beatles is like my love for my child. Like he's he's Aww. a big Beatles fan, and I agree. This is this is a very hard topic to just yeah. whittle there, it down. There's to three. a lot there. There's a whole yeah. lot there. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff. So, Bloodbath, how do you? What's your like Beatles fandom like? Um, it's you know more than Aaron, not quite probably as much as Alan. Um, they're definitely probably my top ten favorite bands. Like kind of like a constant rotation um i got into um maybe like sophomore junior year um uh, if anybody in the area uh was familiar there was a radio show on sunday nights on the local 
rock station. Uh, sorry, it was on Sunday mornings, the local rock uh, station here in the Dayton area. Um, and every Sunday morning, they had breakfast with the Beatles. And it was from 9 in the morning to noon. And it was always Beatles music. And um, uh, when I went to work on Sunday mornings, the girl who's a few years older than me would always pick the station. And she was the only person I knew that ever listened to Beatles. My parents both uh, famously hate the Beatles. Um, so we never <laughs> listened to him growing up. the state of Ohio. Yep. <laughs> Everybody big, big knows Beatles about hit. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, I just said never, like I grew up listening, you know, hearing Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and all those bands, but never heard the Beatles until I uh, was working around her. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. So it kind of started there. But um, yeah, man, it, to whittle it down to three is pretty hard. And it's real timely, too. If anyone has Disney Plus, the uh, the Beatles, uh, the Get Back uh three-part miniseries is on there it's a if anyone's a fan uh check it out it's really cool yeah i heard Have that's really you good. watched it i watched last night getting for to kind of get in the mood for tonight i watched the first episode last night it's really cool dude it, like you would love it like you should definitely check it out like legit it's really neat it's it is the reason that i've been holding on to disney plus so i'm, I'm gonna watch it other than oh, the yeah, fact dude. that i can watch star wars whenever i'm I mean, uh, one of the prospect. one of the picks on my list you get to see them like uh, make the song from scratch uh, during the episode so it's pretty cool that's right pretty awesome so Rick suggested this topic to do top three Beatles songs so Rick what's your kind of fandom with the Beatles like yeah so um, outside of video game podcasting and tech stuff um, I'm a musician so I, I have three degrees in music and in a very real way, the the Beatles are a a stepping stone and, and sort of sort of the uh, uh, the the snowball that started my my interest in music and sound. I, I've been listening to them since kindergarten. Um, they were a, my first CDs that I ever had, along with uh, Britney Spears and NSYNC. But maybe another podcast we could talk about those. Yeah, and <laughs> they you know they've just been a consistent part of my 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 life, and I've been listening to them for. A very long time. I've I've learned to play their songs. I've analyzed their songs. I've I've uh, taken classes with Beatles scholars. It's in 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 a very real way. I think they're probably the most important popular music group to have ever existed so far. Yeah, I totally agree. Like there, so since that documentary has come out, the like the Beatles haters have come back out of the woodwork to say that like the Beatles are trash and stuff like that. And that they're overrated. And like, I, if you don't like the music, that's fine. But the people who say that they're overrated is, I think that's, what's insane to me. Cause I totally agree. They're for sure the most popular, like the most popular musical act in like rock and roll, basically. Uh, if you want to just like keep it into one genre for sure they're the most the most uh influential in a lot of ways yeah and it's not even just popularity i i'm sure this is going to come up in all of your top threes but i know at least for mine there's um a lot of boundaries in the musical world being pushed in in my three picks so i'm i'm so jazzed to talk about this i really am hell yeah for me um i'm I would say like I really like the Beatles but I'm not a super fan like I I would say that I like about a third of their songs a lot like the songs that I like I really really love and I think that they have a lot of things that I just don't ever want to listen to again 
a lot of their early songs are not really my thing and then like a lot of their later like drug songs i'm not really into like the psychedelic stuff there's like whole albums where i'm just like i don't don't really care for that anymore but there are a lot of beatles songs that i really 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 love so this was still a really hard topic for me and i do want to shout out happening like maybe like right now we're recording this in early december so by the time you hear this it will be done you got to wait for next year but every year in columbus ohio there's a band that plays every beatles song in a row uh, during one show like they rent out a venue and they play every oh Beatles God. song it takes like 16 hours or some shit and I went to it the year before I left the US and it was incredible like I stayed there for like four hours listened to them play like five albums it was great so where, you where look, is this show it's in Columbus and it's at this church that I can't remember the name but it's called like I think it's called Sergeant Pepper's Marathon or Pepper's Marathon or something like that. Brian Pepper's Marathon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's called, I think it's called Sergeant Pepper's Marathon. So anyone like, I mean, I think if you like the Beatles, this is something worth driving a few hours to go see because it's incredible. Oh, yeah. The musicianship is great and they they don't take breaks. They just go for the whole time it's really incredible 16 hours (laughs) every beatles song dude all 227 or however many there are everyone i don't oh man i don't have a lot to add to this episode but did you say brian peppers i did i did that was for you Aaron. (laughs) there's a lot of brain unlocking going on for Aaron. i'm never gonna be able to sleep yeah um yeah so the beatles marathon is very cool uh real quick just just for fun everybody really quickly do you like paul or john and don't say george bloodbath because i know you're gonna say it uh, i was gonna say ringo but fine fine bloodbath my fine. ass man all right uh all right so i'm i much prefer paul i'll get started i too prefer paul i don't know i don't know who wrote what song uh ringo has the best name so there's that yeah, objectively true. Yes. His, his name is Richard Starkey. All right. It's I refuse to accept Rango that. Star. I refuse to accept it's that. True. Um, Oh gosh. I don't think I've ever really liked John Lennon. So, I mean, if that's my choice, I'm going to say Paul. Um, mm-hmm. although like watching the, the get back documentary, um, dude, Paul was, Paul's kind of a dick this first episode like he's like john's just sitting back there being chill like ring or uh, paul's kind of bossy to everybody but i don't know between those two it's probably gonna be paul alan how about you i I mean it's got to be paul and the reason paul was kind of a dick is because everybody else was just sitting around doing fucking drugs not writing any songs or playing any (laughs) instruments yeah i mean except george harrison george harrison played guitar that's fair you know and I guess Ringo, it, that is you know, true. He, he at least held the drumstick. He does. Yeah. There's There'll be no Ringo slander. Ringo is perfectly good as a drummer, and uh, he seems like a very happy and content person, so good for him. Uh, Rick, how about you? Plus, John, I'm pretty sure he's a, uh, a listener to the podcast, too, Ringo Starr. Yeah, I'm big fan. Pretty sure. Uh, I, well, if we're going along with the George and Ringo erasure, uh, just between John and Paul, uh, I would go John, you know, problematic individual for sure, but uh, incredibly prolific artist. Yeah, this is weird for me. 
not to start a big tangent. I like how I say this. Like, I'm going to say my opinion, but I don't want to start a big tangent here, everybody. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, it's weird because I don't really like John's solo music or Paul's solo music. I like, like Paul McCartney puts out a record like every year and I'll listen and I'll find like one song and I'm like, that's a, I like that song. And then the, the, all the other ones I really don't like. There's like four Paul McCartney solo songs that I actually really like. Same with John. That's a fair point. So let's get started with our lists. And so we are going to cut in a little bit of music for each of these. So I'm going to get us started with my number three. number three is let it be let it be is my number three and so like i like i said earlier this is really hard to pick three songs so i have a couple of like sentimental reasons why let it be is number three on my list number one uh, we sang this in high school choir and it was very awesome to sing in high school choir instead of singing like whatever the fuck you know the the standard high school choir songs are this was a very cool song to sing only cooler. The only thing cooler was when we convinced the teacher to let us learn Bohemian Rhapsody and sing hey. that. That was the best. Aaron was in there with me. That was. So, <laughs> they, she let us do the the wind blowing thing at the end. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. And then uh, I saw Paul McCartney live in uh, I don't know around 2011, something like that, uh, with my mom, who she saw the Beatles live in the 60s, and then like you know didn't see any concerts didn't really listen to them a whole lot when i was a kid but like we went to the show together and then like singing let it be with my mom at the concert was like a really really awesome moment and like we're in a baseball stadium and everyone is singing the songs together and it was like the coolest fucking thing so if we ever do top three concerts on the show like that paul mccartney show is going to be on my list so my number three let it be Good, uh, good pick, man. Um, I feel like that one probably on most people's list, um, and rightfully so. I mean, I I don't really feel like I can criticize it or anything. Um, <laughs> it's it's one. I don't know. It's one of those ones. Like, uh, I'll say my if someone else throws this other song out there, I'll, I'll kind of like say my opinion for that. But it, it's a good song. Okay. Let it be was totally on my list um, until like a couple hours ago. I mean, and that and then it it fell off, but it's definitely like top top five songs. Any given day, it could be like my number one song. Let it be fantastic. Yeah, I That's... like that song. End of statement. Nice, very good, Aaron. <laughs> very good. Do I do I get a treat now? Yes. <laughs> Give me snack. 
you know, Let It Be not only has some of my favorite, not my very favorite, but some of my favorite George Harrison guitar playing on it, uh, but also shout out to Billy Preston, who played the keys on that track. Uh, mm-hmm. Really tasty. The fifth Beatle. Oh, dude, like, there's so much Billy Preston talk in this uh, Get Back miniseries. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, for sure. And that will come into play in my list a lot, too. So, um, you know, Let It Be is also one of those songs. I think it's, like, a cliche, but I know every time someone has, you know, a really shitty day, bad day at work, bad day at home with your significant other or, or family or something like that, that's always a song that I feel... Um, rightfully comforts people. So I know that sometimes music can become a little, uh, through through time and pop culture, can sometimes um, carry a little corniness or a little bit of a cliche to it, but I definitely feel like that's one song that you have to kind of, I don't know, like it, it kind of, even though that's there, like you definitely have to kind of still appreciate it for what it is, and it, it's very effective. Yeah, I wouldn't say that Let It Be is a song that I like. I'm not going to like listen to it, you know, in my car on a trip or something like that. It's it's it it's a good like comfort song like you said. It's just a it's just a song that I have a lot of like very very awesome memories with. So put it on my list for sure. Let's move on to Aaron and listen to Aaron's number 3. <laughs> I've just seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met She's just a girl for me and I want all the world to see we've met mm-hmm. Had it been another day I might have looked the other way And I'd have never been aware But as it is I'll dream of her tonight Falling, yes I'm falling And she keeps calling all right my number three is going to be i've just seen a face uh i don't know i is that who is that is that mccartney is that len i, I don't know who, that's, who McCart- wrote, that's mccartney okay so it's a paul mccartney song uh <laughs> i i yeah i uh, thank you guys thank you uh the reason i like it i remember I don't know how long ago it was, but Alan showed me like a, a Beatles songbook he had purchased that had like ukulele chords and stuff in it. Uh, so I like took it and I looked at it a little bit and I've just seen a face was one of the ones that had chords that I knew at the time. I was like, oh, okay. So I started like fucking playing it and stuff. And it's really, really, really pretty on the ukulele. Like it's one of the prettiest songs you can play on the ukulele. It's one of the easiest songs you can play. Uh, the song itself, like, is it just really pretty? I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's just, it's a really good song. It translates well to like my musical expertise. So yeah, number three, I've just seen a face. Yeah, for listeners, like I, I'm surprised we've gotten like you know like 40 episodes into the show or however many it's been, and we haven't really talked about it a whole lot. Aaron's really fucking good at ukulele, like really, really good at ukulele. So like yes, I is. would imagine a lot of the, uh, the Beatles songs that come up, uh, are that will come up on his list are things that like really translate to ukulele well. And uh, yeah, I can see, I've seen, I've just seen a face, uh, as one of those. I love that song too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's really peaceful. I think 
you know, not to get off on a ukulele tangent, I think one of the cool things about ukulele is it can take sad music, it can take happy music, it can take angry music, and when you translate it, you know, through that instrument, it become it, it all becomes sort of peaceful. And uh, the Beatles' music re- really sets sets up the ukulele like a ukulele player for success because I get you're right. I guarantee you, every song we name on here, if somebody went and played on ukulele, you'd be like, oh, that's that's super pretty. So don't really have a whole lot to say, but I do really like that song. That's uh, that's actually also my number three. I've just hey. So uh, for I mean for pretty much the same reasons, it's a beautiful song. Um, it has like kind of, if for people that haven't listened to it, it has a, kind of almost like a a like a folkier feel to it. It has three guitars in it, um, you know, which is a little bit different for them. Three acoustics, uh, so. It's a, a, I don't know, all around great song. Yeah, um, I, th- I think I remember hearing it um, at some point in your wedding, um, but uh, I know that uh, it's a good. I like it a lot, and I think you're right. It does have like a folkier sound. Um, I'm a little hit or miss on the like early early Beatles songs. Um, I think that one's on like their first. I think it's the first or second album. It's um, on help. Oh really? Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really like Help too. That's like probably one of my favorite eras of the Beatles too. So I guess that goes against it's, what I'm saying. It's like one know. of the best out. Help is a, is a, is an awesome album. Yeah, um, it is. It definitely. I don't think that song would have been on my list, but it, it's it's a good song. Yeah. Rick, feel free to jump in anytime. I know, like you, you don't have to like wait your turn until the end if you have something. Okay. Um. So as far as I've seen, a face goes. Um. You know, the thing I like about that tune is, in a lot of ways, it represents what McCartney does so well. You know, he paints these really quaint images with with his wordplay and and the way that he uses meter and and rhyme in his words but he also is so adept at setting them to really singable melodies that just about anybody could sing regardless of you know their quote-unquote musical talent and I you know I I think I remember hearing this song as a kid and just being like eh you know yeah it's fine and then I heard it in that uh, movie musical across the universe. And I was like, you know, this is, this is nice. I like this a lot. Yeah. It's a really good song. And like, yeah, that singability is a good point. Cause like Aaron mentioned that playing it on the ukulele and singing. I also, this is one of my favorite songs to like try to play whenever I pick up my guitar every nine months or so. And then I, you know, I fiddle around with it. I try to sing along with it. I fuck it up because it's, it's kind of fast strumming and it's not great for someone who's out of practice, but it is a really song. Um, it is a song that you, you feel like you can just slide into and, uh, you know, yeah, that the vocals aren't doing anything crazy. And, um, the melody is very, very catchy and it's easy to follow along with. And I mean, as far as love songs go from the Beatles, I think this is, I don't know. This one captures more of a feeling to it than a lot of like Beatles songs, especially their early love songs are very, you know, of that time, you know, if that makes sense. Uh, But as they get older and they start to get a little bit more mature and they're not 
uh, you know, 22 years old anymore or whatever. Uh, I think this is one of those songs that is just a little bit better as a love song than like most of their early records. Agreed. Not as stiff. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Alan, uh, we're going to listen to some music from your number three, and then we'll hear it. I've just seen a face. That's right. So we listen to. <laughs> Let's we, listen to it twice. More of it. Yeah, we'll just yeah. listen to the second half of the song. <laughs> can I? Uh, yeah. can I, I mean, I can pick a different song. No, it's okay. I mean, you can if you want to. Well, I'll move up my honorable mention then. Okay. Which was Obladi oh, Oblada. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. It's it's really just kind of a, a silly song. Um, I, I don't have that much to say for it because it was my honorable honorable mention. So I I don't know who wrote it. Um, it sounds like I don't a Paul know song. Much of, yeah. I mean, it it would seem like it. I'm looking it up. Yes, it was written by Paul McCartney. Although, of course, credited Lennon McCartney like everything else. I but, like that yeah. song, dude. It's a it's a good yeah, like it's a fun just song. a yeah, just a fun catchy song. This is a song that is like really easy and fun to play on the guitar, and uh, even if you're nine months out of practice, like I constantly am, and it's a song that like I feel like everyone knows this song. Like this isn't one of you wouldn't think this is a Beatles song that like everyone knows, but I feel like everyone either knows it or they can sing along with it at least because it's like the least complicated thing in the world or or everybody knows the offspring song uh get a job is that related to this song oh well go listen to it man they just they just ripped off the melody for this song okay the melody i guess but but um i love that song that was going to be one of my honorable mentions alan um and i like it for two one reason i love that song is really awesome, and Rick, maybe you can um, attest to this since you've got you know a, a real uh, musical background. The song is sort of like a tribute to ska music, if I understand right. Um, that was sort of the um, genesis of like McCartney writing the song because um, I think it name checks some different uh, artists. Um, I personally like it. I don't know if anybody saw the um, the Josh Fox documentaries that he did, like Gasland and. Um, there's another one, um, but there are these documentaries about um, global warming and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the beginning of like one of the films, it's just him dancing to Obladi Oblada, um, just because he's kind of like, you know, just sort of 
you know, obviously the world's on fire and like he he's one person he can't do anything about it so like he's just sort of resigned to like hang out in his house and listen to the song and dance to it and like there's something there was just something so like pure about it i was just like oh dude like this just like hit me so hard in, in my feels and ever since then i i love listening to that song it's uh on my spotify wrap up it's like number like 35 or 40 on like my most listened to songs this last year so i, wow, I definitely high, get that high praise for bloodbath yeah yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> I do not like this song. <laughs> That's weird. This is uh, one of the more show tuney songs that they have, I feel like. You can yeah. imagine a kick line and a chorus singing this song. Side, I do, sidebar, I, like I, I do not like this song. <laughs> okay. There are enough. like there are half a dozen like real <laughs> show tuney like old like you know McCart like I think they're McCartney songs too, like the like um Oh geez, uh it's your, on your the mother White should album. know. Is that what it is? Well, that's not on the White Album, but that's like that's a real show tuney McCartney song that I really love. He's got a couple. Yeah, he's got a couple of those, and I figure like they're not on Aaron's list. I can't believe it. I, I, I do not like Obladi Oblada as a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay. on his list. That's what we're that's what we're getting from this. Yeah, it's not on his <laughs> list. Yeah, Bloodbath, you mentioned the uh, genesis of the song, and I don't, I don't know much about that. But as far as like the reggae style goes, there's a uh, there's a guitar technique called skanking, which is where it's it's typically upstrokes and accompanied with like really light fret pushes that results in this really percussive kind of sound uh, that's you know all across all reggae, and that's that's what's accompanying the piano that's behind this. But I think the reason that so many people don't like this song is the stride piano is so strident and it's already in a bright key it's in b flat major and that just makes it a bit well i think strident is the best word and um i think that's a fair criticism but i'm i'm with you i, I love this song aaron would we you say literally <laughs> i i think it's been, like we literally got the best person for this top three to be our special guest i'm like sitting here i'm like yes yes strident yes. this is why i don't like we this did. song yes, we, of course. we we are not in rick's we are i am not in rick's league like right but i am so glad i have somebody that we have somebody here that can like scientifically like break down what we're listening to this is rick is good for the podcast i'm excited to know what other stuff he knows about hell yeah oh geez <laughs> flatter flattery will get you everywhere my friend exactly I like you you're bald with a mustache i like you yeah <laughs> uh okay so let's take a second let's listen to a little bit of bloodbaths number three All right, so 
when I put my list together, I really wanted to try and grab stuff that sort of hit um, the different eras of the band. I think that's what's one of the more more fascinating aspects of their careers. They have so many different sounds. So uh, the my number three is going to be uh, in the earlier era of the band, and that is that's uh, a B side called "Bad Boy." Um. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it before. Uh, Rick, maybe you're familiar with it, but um, I have. I know you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's just a real, like, kind of old school, like, 50s, like, Chuck Berry influenced, um, just rock song. Um, Real, kind of, like, classic. Um, I I don't think it may have been on Beatles for sale, um, or it may just be on a B side somewhere. It may have been something on one of the American album releases, but. it like I said, I mean it's just pretty straightforward, just you know, kind of classic fifties, um, you know, rockabilly, and I just I really like it. I think it's a different, you know, it's sort of different for the Beatles. I mean, they definitely had that era in the beginning where they had that sort of um, that was like the style and very much of the time. But you know, it's not a love song. It's it's a different. It's definitely kind of a gritty and um, a little uh, angsty and. Um, I know, man. I just love it. It's it's the closest the Beatles probably came to like a full like garage rock sound. So, uh, bad boy. I have not heard that song, but I do. I'm glad we mentioned at least how like they have so many different eras in the band and how it's kind of amazing. They have like they have like 40 years worth of like sound progression, like and different like experimentation in the type of songs they're writing all packed into just 10 years of their career. And that's kind of incredible uh, for any band, I think. Like, I I can't really think of another band other than, like, you know, a couple of, like, stoner bands I know of. But, like, I can't really think of a, a lot of other bands that do such different stuff, like, from album to album. And theirs is all just compressed into just 10 years. Their first I, album? I think that... And, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go on. Uh, their their first album was released in 1963, and Revolver, which isn't their last album, but is one of their most ambitious, was released in 66. That's three years. That is insane. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's it's fascinating, and it's one of I think it's the reason why the Beatles, why everybody says the Beatles are the most popular band on the planet, um, because there's something for everybody when you're listening to the Beatles. They're so diverse that they have songs for people that hate the Beatles. I mean, they, they have, they have music for everyone. Mm-hmm. So Rick, are you familiar with this song? So this is one, like I knew it, but I admittedly wasn't super familiar with it. So while, um, bloodbath was talking and apologies, bloodbath for Googling while you're talking, but I did Google it. You're fine. <laughs> um, and it's actually, along with Dizzy Miss Lizzie, one of uh, two covers by uh, Larry... Oh, geez, I lost it. Uh, Larry Wilson or Larry Williamson. Uh, just like another R&B performer that's similar to Little Richard that John was really into. Don't apologize for Googling, dude. Aaron's been Googling just incredibly weird shit this entire time. <laughs> guys, guys, have you heard of capybaras? Oh, you mean Googling Beatles stuff? No, no, just capybara stuff. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was a cover, but that doesn't surprise me. Like I said, it's it's a real, um, you know, it's like a real rocker. And uh, I would imagine it's probably George playing some of the licks on the guitar. It, it's a little bit more of a guitar forward, um, 
you know, not really solos, but it, it you know, it's definitely one of the early uh, examples of uh, George Harrison's guitar playing uh, for the lead and stuff like that. So it's, you know, uh, like I said, it, just showcasing that early um, era of the Beatles was something that's a little bit more, um, you know, um, gritty, I think, or has a little bit more energy to it, I think is fun. So, Hell yeah. All right. Let's take a second and listen to some music and we will get Rick's number three pick. He's a real nowhere man Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans For nobody Doesn't have a point of view Knows not where he's going to Isn't he Yeah, so little disclaimer, um, I <laughs> made so many of these lists. This is the hardest top three I've ever had to do. Um, and I feel like my top three of the Beatles are changing all the time. So this might not even be accurate later uh, because there's just so many good things to, to, to hear and experience. But uh, my top three or my number three, as you heard, was Nowhere Man. A great choice. Yes, uh, it was a sort of turning point in how John uh, was writing music, and it was recorded on Rubber Soul, which came before Revolver. And it, it's an interesting genesis of like their typical um, sort of guitar and vocal harmony style of music, wherein John's lyrics are progressing and getting a little more introspective. So it um, it, it came from a time, according you know to the Google research that I did. Um, from when John was feeling sort of, he was feeling kind of lost and he wasn't sure how to find himself within the popularity of the band and as an artist and, you know, things that he would come to find later, um, through various experiences. And <laughs> he spent, like, <laughs> he spent like five hours, like trying to come up with something. And then he just gave up and laid down. And his report is that it just all came together. Like once he gave up. And I, I, I think that's really beautiful in a way. I, I first heard this song. Um, growing up from the movie The Yellow Submarine, the animated movie, um, where it was like illustrated with this character named Jeremy Hillary Boob Fid, uh, who was the Nowhere Man. Um, and, you know, at the time I, I was just, I, I was like, oh, this is, you know, funny psychedelic cartoon imagery, ha ha ha. Um, and then as I was in high school, I was like, okay, this is, you know, good harmonies, good, good, tasteful guitar playing. And then as I got older, I was like, you know, these lyrics really are very expressive and it's it sort of, you know, I, I realized that it kind of planted in me this seed of existential questioning or dread, depending on the day that kind of has just been, you know, with me all my life. And it's like, what does it mean to be a nowhere man? Like, are we all nowhere men, women, people? And yeah, I just, it, it's a brilliant song. I, I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I like that song a lot too. Uh, Rubber Soul is probably my favorite album, and I could have easily made my list uh, just based on songs off of Rubber Soul. So I, I'm with you right there. Did you guys ever watch the movies? Like, 
Yellow Submarine and I mean there's more movies too like did anyone watch those like and Rick apparently you did Alan Bloodbath did you watch those because I never did I have I've seen, seen Hard Yellow Submarine mm-hmm. I've, I've seen Yellow Submarine and I have Help and A Hard Day's Night okay yeah even at my height of like listening to the Beatles all the time I was never interested in watching a movie that they're in it just i was just always like no I, thanks i will enjoy the music i think i got it with albums or, okay. or with something that i purchased i think that i received yeah that the, makes uh, sense. the dvds i've seen a hard day's night um i've seen bits and pieces of yellow submarine yellow submarine is kind of neat for like what it is obviously um and hard day's night i think is funny in parts but like i don't really want to rewatch it yeah Anyway, Nowhere Man is a an enjoyable song. It's one of those that like I don't listen I don't really listen to it when I go through and like, you know, if I'm going to listen to the Beatles on my walk to work where I can listen to maybe five or six songs. Uh Nowhere Man's not going to make that list, but you know, it's not a bad song. I think the Beatles have a lot of really bad songs uh and Nowhere Man's not bad. It's all right. Let's move into number 2s. And I am going to, we are going to listen to some music from my number two. My number two is uh, probably my favorite love song, and it is Something. Something is my number two. And it's weird, like, so I kind of made fun of Bloodbath earlier, and I said, like, you can't pick George as your favorite Beatle. But (laughs) when I'm going through and listening to the songs, like, obviously there are more Paul McCartney songs and more John Lennon songs that I like, but I think George's songs are consistently really good the ones that made it onto Beatles albums. And I think something is the best song that he ever wrote. And like, I know like during the later parts of the Beatles, George was really lobbying to like get more of his songs on the album. And then he had like that triple album that came out after the Beatles broke up. And I really don't like it that much. Or I didn't when I, I didn't when I listened to it back in the day, I should probably give it another try now that I'm 10 years older but something is incredible and like a couple of my honorable mentions are George Harrison songs too so it's just the the lyrics are really simple but they have a lot of emotion in them and a lot of like feeling in them for just how how few lyrics there actually are and then the guitar playing and like the guitar solo in the song is just I mean it's it's top level uh guitar stuff so one of my favorite songs um this is another this is a trend through my list you're gonna see like all of my favorite Beatles songs are like back half of their career songs so this is definitely one of those something nice 
Super pick. Super pick. I mean, and that's why, like, you you cut it down to Paul or John, but George would have been my second Beatle. I mean, uh, and I think that you're right that this is George's best work. And you should give his albums another chance. His solo stuff is pretty good. It, yeah, I mean, it's probably better than Paul's solo stuff and and it is. and John's. Yeah, I should try it again. You know, but like the thing with, you know, if you're saying like George is my favorite Beatle, he, he only he doesn't have a whole lot of songs on the list, and like only his best made it to the Beatles albums. Whereas like everything John and Paul was writing was basically making it on the Beatles albums. So, so like. It's. I don't think it's quite fair to compare that because, of course, like if they only took Paul McCartney's one best song on each album, then he would look a lot better in comparison. Well, I I think that if you're looking at it strictly from who is getting credited with the songwriting, um, then yeah, George is obviously way down on the list. But I think that if you look at what they're br- what he's bringing individually to each of the songs, whether or not he wrote the song himself. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. Yeah, just like so when that. I think that. Yeah, just when that like John or Paul thing is brought up, I think that's the spirit of it. Is like, do you like John's songs that he wrote, right. or Paul's songs that he wrote? And so people always chime in and say, "I like George." And I'm like, that's that doesn't count. Like it's it's one hundred <laughs> versus one hundred versus twelve. Or something like that, however many songs there are. So anyway, uh, something is incredible. And I forget who it was. It was a really famous musician. like It was like Elvis or someone like at a similar level of fame who said that that was his favorite love song ever. And that made me listen much more closely. I don't know if it was Elvis or like someone that was super famous. There are multiple folks who have said that. I know Frank Sinatra is a big one That's that said one that. That's the one that was Sinatra, yeah. Um, Elvis liked it too. It's it's so funny too because George had sat on this for like weeks and months because he thought that he subconsciously like stole it. Um so much so that he gave it to Joe Cocker, um another musician at the time to to record first and when he ended up playing it for the rest of the guys, um they they went on to say like after the fact that it was far and away the best song written on the album. Um and I'm with you Dave, like this is I I think this is George's best guitar playing with the group by far. It's it's just so moving. Mm-hmm. There's 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 a lot of emotion in like the way the guitar is being played in the song. You can feel it when you when you listen to the song. That was just the neatest story. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the pleasure is mine. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, can you imagine like you wrote this song and it's like we I think we all pretty unanimously agree it's it's either one of his best or his best song and you're like i think this song's great but i also think i stole it from someone like subconsciously like i'm really worried about this that would be horrible like horrible feeling (laughs) he just thought to himself how could i write something so brilliant yeah i blame paul for being a dick (laughs) (laughs) uh all right, so let's listen to some music from uh, Aaron's number two. Let's listen to Aaron's number two for a minute, and then we'll get his pick. Mm-hmm. 
up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? All right, my number two is going to be Eleanor Rigby. Uh, I, uh, again, like I'm not the, uh, I don't know a lot of Beatles songs, but when I think of like all the ones that I do know, Eleanor Rigby to me just has a different tone. Like to me, it is a very like not Beatles song. You know what I mean? It's 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 dark and 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 like I said, I, I I could not put this the way that Rick could probably put this right now. Uh, but it's it's it, to me, it's like wholly unique amongst like at least what my idea of the Beatles are. Uh, I'm not gonna talk about it anymore, but uh, since I still do have like 20 seconds, I want to talk about my favorite band for a second, which is uh, not Queen, but Tally Hall. They have a song called Misery Fell that sounds suspiciously similar to Eleanor Rigby. Uh, and it's it's also a very good song. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just it's really different compared to, you know, like what my uh, impression of the Beatles are and what what I think the kind of music that they make is. And it's 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 a really good song, you know, good vocals, good lyrics. And I, I don't know, it's just it's one of the ones that stuck out. And it was the one. One that when I thought about this list, it, it didn't end up being my number one, but it was the first one I was like, okay, so Eleanor Rigby has to be on the list because I actually really enjoy that song. So, uh, yeah, number two, Eleanor Rigby. That's a good song. And you're right. It is super different. Like the way that it sounds, the way that uh, the violins in the background are just like, they're so unlike anything else in any other Beatles song. And I'm sure like, you know, whenever, whatever year this song came out, probably unlike anything else that was dominating like the, the top of the music charts too. I'm cause I would assume that this song did really well. So yeah, it's super unique. It's a good song. I really like it. Um, I all say that it is Eleanor Rigby, whether I'm listening to whether it was a greatest hits on a CD or it's my iPod or my phone on Spotify. Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby is always a song I skip, unfortunately. I don't really have a good reason to say why I do. It just never clicked with me, so sorry. You you don't have to apologize to me. I promise it's not that important. <laughs> I'm apologizing also, I really to enjoy Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, it's a good song. It's a good song. It's cool. You know, it's apologizing a, it's again, to Ringo. It, we said that he listens. Yeah. It, did Ringo write that song? No. Then fuck him. No, that was a Paul song. <laughs> it's a Is team that two Paul songs for me? Maybe I'm a Paul guy. There you go. Yeah, sometimes we get a listener from the UK in the uh, in the tracking, like the metrics there, and so I just assumed the whole time that it was Ringo listening, waiting for us to do our top three Beatles songs. <laughs> is he is he alive? Is he this is, a funny yeah. joke because he's oh, dead? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> he's alive. I, I, I know some of them are. I, I, I don't know, but I, th- I, saw... I thought the joke was that he's dead, but still listening. I'm like, this is a really funny joke. It's got a lot of layers to it. No, no dude, he's <laughs> oh, alive. Hell yeah! What up, Ringo? I saw him in uh, saw him in concert in like 2017 or something like that. He was really good. He he's and the his drummer. Nice. 
he and his uh he just has like the it's called the all-star band because it's just like a bunch of dudes from other bands and they just like okay this guy you used to play in toto so we're gonna play africa and then it's like this guy you used to play with richie valens so we're gonna play la bamba and it's just like you know an hour and a half of that it's really good that sounds cool yeah have you guys heard that new um reorchestrated and reimagined version of eleanor rigby that like recently got nominated for a grammy have not no no, no. No, it's like it's tre- it's trending on TikTok and like it's on YouTube. It's it, they use a big choir and a lot of reimagined reorchestrations. It's it's pretty good. That sounds cool. Yeah, I I think I have heard that in bits and pieces, but not really. Well, I've hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you hate if you hate the original song, a big reorchestration of it's probably not going to do much for you. Yeah, well, with a choir like that's going to make it better <laughs> to somebody who hates the song. Yeah. That sounds dope. Yeah. Rick, what do you think? I, you know, I I like Eleanor Rigby. Um, Aaron, I think what you were hearing when you mentioned that it it just sounded like not a Beatles song to you is that it's, it's just so orchestral in nature. Like, it's not something that a rock band would do. And I find it funny because I was reading the other day preparing for this that when Paul brought yesterday to uh, George Martin... He, George Martin suggested added, adding like a string quartet. And Paul was like, oh no, we're a rock band. That's rubbish. Forget that. And then, of course, we know what happened yesterday. Added a string quartet and it became a modern classic. Um, but now this, Eleanor Rigby, is a complete 180. Like a rock band could not do something like this. And, you know, the result is, yeah, a neat mixture of pop and orchestral. It's, it's neat. The Rolling Stones. That's, could that's never. pretty much what I was. Yeah, could never. That was pretty much what I was gonna say. Thanks for helping me out with that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaron had it in his notes. He just kind of got flustered and. I need yeah. Rick just around in my life for when I can't say things the way I want to say them. Rick, <laughs> will, you, will you please cuss out this register girl? I just don't have it in me. <laughs> but in a but in such an eloquent and thoughtful way, yeah. Yeah, he he would be nice. Rick would do that. He's a nice dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a really interesting song. And like so I'm not very I'm not great with like remembering like this song is on this album and this song is on this album. I just kind of like this is early Beatles when they were trying to be like, you know, Little Richard and Chuck Berry smashed together or this is later Beatles and like this is actually like middle Beatles. And so they still were doing a lot of like rock based songs and then, you know, Eleanor Rigby is like like I said, the Rolling Stones could never. This is not a rock band's uh, song here. Suck it, Bloodbath. I know you're a Rolling Stones guy. <laughs> Disgusting. I and I will <laughs> say the Rolling Stones definitely tried it, so... Less, success- less successfully. You yeah. fucking sick at me, Bloodbath. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was Aaron's number two. Let's listen to a bit of Alan's number two.
my number two is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Okay, um, go on. Off, off of the album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh, okay, okay. I, uh, I, I guess, look, they said it in the titles. Yeah. <laughs> just, to be, just to be clear. Um, so it's the it's the opening track of the album, which I I love the album. Um, I think it it may be my favorite from beginning to end. Um, it's got a couple couple weird songs in it, but um, anyway, the song comes up twice. Uh, it starts with like a, a like a live audience clapping for them. Uh, there are lots of horns. It's really fast tempo. Um, and and it's a lot of fun, just like the rest of the album. Uh, so that's that's why uh, Sergeant Pepper's is my number two. Interesting, interesting. I like this song a lot, but it it seems like a like one part of a bigger whole. That it's I think I feel like it kind of loses a little bit when you take it out of context of like the context of Sergeant Pepper's as a whole, and. I very for me personally I just very rarely listen to an entire album straight through. So like this is a song that when it comes up on the shuffle I might listen and I might skip it because I again I feel like it needs that context. What you should do is play it, not skip it, but make sure that the next song is with a little help from my friends and then you'll feel completely satisfied. That's what complete satisfaction feels like, Dave. Okay. Yes, really, are, 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 yes. are they back forth on the album? No, it's first. What's that? Yeah, yeah. So Sgt. Pepper is first and then is with a little help of my friends the second song on the album? Yeah, that's right. See, and, and, and that's a really weird thing that like people don't talk about. Like That totally is true, how like some songs, if they're on shuffle, just like don't hit properly at the beginning or the end, and they kind of like fuck the whole thing up because you're so used to them transitioning into something else. This is a good point. Alan might have said something smart. Hey, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? But so, but so, I get this, do uh, not like this song. Best, best <laughs> beginning and end to an album. I mean, because you start with Sgt. Pepper's and um, with a little help from my friends, and you end with uh, what, a day, a in, day the in the life, yeah. and then back yes. to Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, it's it's just great. <laughs> a day in the life is like it's um, one of my favorites. Like. I just I fucking mm-hmm. love a day in the life. It's my favorite song from that that whole album for sure. Oh yeah, it's, it's a beautiful song. Um, that's an interesting pick. I wouldn't have really thought about it as a song on its own. Um, but I'll take this as an opportunity just to tell a story. Um, when uh when that album came out in '67, um. I think it was the day after or two days after uh, Jimi Hendrix was playing um, a show in London and uh, he had yet to record his own album, but he had some buzz. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty popular show that he was um, performing at and uh, all the Beatles were there with their wives. They purposely wanted to make sure they were at the show and and he knew that they were at the show and uh, Sergeant Pepper had come out like the day before or whatever. So he opened the show covering Sergeant Pepper's only hearts club band. And uh, apparently it was like so good. They wanted to go back into the studio and re-record it. So um, I just think it's a nice tidbit. That's that a song. super ballsy move. Like the, the fucking Beatles are at your show and you're like, 
you're like this dude who's just like he's you're like at this point Hendrix was not like a household name right he's just like a dude no he hadn't, re- hadn't even re- he hadn't even right. rec- yeah he had not recorded an album yet right so like the the Beatles are coming to your show and you're like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna open my show with their song and I'm gonna play it better than they do that's that's fucking great I love he that blew their fucking mind yes yeah I like that song though uh, this is also the song that uh, many Beatles conspiracy theorists point to as introducing Billy Shears, uh, the replacement for the deceased <laughs> Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rick, I am so yeah. glad to have you here. That's so fucking funny, dude. It's I, I forgot about that conspiracy. That is one of the dumbest fucking conspiracy theories that survived for 50 years at this point. It's incredible. It's like almost yeah. flat Earth status. Yeah. <laughs> has Especially Joe Rogan not... talked about this yet? Oh, oh here sure he has. I I will say <laughs> um, again, not trying to fucking continue to plug that Get Back movie or uh, on uh, Disney Plus, but like if that were to be the case, then my god, because like you literally watch Paul McCartney just like start making songs up on the spot, and they're great, and I think it'd be pretty unbelievable pretty unbelievable they just found a random dude to be like oh you're paul mccartney now <laughs> and like he could do that so um yeah i don't know that's a weird story i remember when i first heard about that but it was so strange that's always been my reaction to it is like if if paul did die and they replaced him with that guy then that guy wrote yesterday and everything that came after so like yeah, maybe exactly. he is the real paul mccartney <laughs> yeah yeah they don't need paul mccartney yesterday is like one of the best songs ever written so All right, so let's move on and let's listen to a little bit of Bloodbaths number two. So, my number two is Ticket to Ride. Um, Ticket to Ride, I think, you know, again, talking about the different eras of the Beatles, I think, um, you know, that sort of late, early stage, the kind of beginning, middle of their career, um, I think is a really interesting time musically. um, And I think the song, like, exemplifies that era really perfectly um it's it's got that you know kind of poppy sound that they had in the beginning um it's also got a really interesting um arrangement and the phrasing of the chords and and um you know the tone and everything they got out of the music i think's just a really like you know just it's really infectious and i i really really appreciate it i also think the uh um chorus in that song makes you um you know uh there was like a, you know, Scooby Doo was like a popular show around the time, and like it was always a thing. Like you know, in the middle of the show, they'd have you know, 
like a song or a band play and it's like that kind of silly um you know meme of like you know a, a certain type of song or whatever and like this is almost what i feel like that's based off of like the chorus in the song sounds like you're watching an episode of scooby-doo like when they're running around a house and like it's all like silly and zany and all that kind of shit um but i definitely feel like that's like you know comes from this sort of a song and i think it's just you know a really great example of how uh something that's a little bit more forward thinking yet still kind of harkening back to their older style and you know kind of gains this sort of momentum and a different um appreciation for it as it goes on so uh take it to ride yeah that's a great song the is that song in a different tempo or does it just have a, a funky rhythm to it? Cause it, it's a super unique song for the way it sounds. That's a Rick question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just, um, I, I think so. Well, so I'll just say my spiel now. It's what makes it sound so unique is I think the way that Ringo chose to approach the drums. Like when, when folks always, well, they don't always say this, but when folks say like, you know, Ringo wasn't that good of a drummer. This is one of the one of the first things along with my number two pick that I always show them because it's like he could have done something so much simpler, like a standard four beat um, or, you know, what have you. But it's just such an interesting approach to rock and roll music. And that makes it sound it just totally unique. So I I mean, the lyrics are fantastic. I think they're standout. But I think Ringo's drumming on this is, you know, a, a big a, a big a plus yeah and i would say that like if he did just like a standard you know a standard rock and roll beat in the background it wouldn't be nearly as good a song as it is that it has this it just has this weird like flow to it like you can flow back and forth while listening to the song and like they got like some tambourines and shit right it's a uh, it's just it's a weird song but it's really good also about a prostitute as far as i know so good job beatles yeah and again like i said i think it's got such an interesting um sound you know like i said it is it is a departure in a way from the earlier um you know real kind of simple um r&b and rock sound that they started off with and it's got a much more um you know there's 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 a subtle complexity to it but it's also um you know hooky enough and poppy enough and like i said i think it 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 you know it it's kind of got that sort of like meme status i think like i said it, you know it sounds like it fits inside of a scooby-doo cartoon or something like that um or if you were i i really think the song is you know it's like if you were gonna try and explain the the that era or that time frame of the beatles to somebody like i feel like that's the song that you would put on and be like oh this is what the beatles are um so yeah i think it's you know and it still has like even though like the the verses have this weird like funky rhythm to it it still has like a super catchy chorus to it like a very very singable chorus which uh probably is part of the reason why it's such a big hit i mean this is it's one of the songs on on the beatles one like greatest hits uh album this one's on there so all right so let's listen to some music from Rick's number one or number two, and then we'll hear what he has to say. If the rain comes, the 
Yeah, so I struggled so hard picking number two and number one. I was going to put for my number two, Tomorrow Never Knows, but as you heard, it is actually Rain. Interesting. Okay. So Rain came out, it wasn't technically on an album, it was recorded as a single, uh, the B-side to Paperback Writer, um, during the sessions for my favorite album, uh, Revolver. And what makes this song, there are so many things about this that are just fantastic, but what they did was they played the instrumental sections at a faster speed, and then they slowed down the tempo to get this massive sound, almost... um, I've heard it described as sepulchral, which isn't the way that I would describe it, but it's such a good word that I wanted to use it. Um, And it's just massive. And Ringo does some of the best drumming that he's ever done on on this track. And it's, it's this interesting lyrical content, too, where it's like John said that he wrote it about people that uh, bitch and moan about, like, the rain. So in one sense, it's literal, but it's also signifying their um, journey into the psychedelic world, um, particularly the line, I can show you, I can show you, that John repeats after, or maybe it's before, the sort of chant-like of the of the title. It's just, there's so much going on here. Oh, and um, it's also the first time popular music ever used the backmasking technique, which became famous or infamous, depending on who you ask. So just uh, such a groundbreaking tune and not even on an album incredible what does backmasking mean explain that for aaron and not me uh i know what backmasking <laughs> i know what backmasking is dave come on fine explain it for me it's it's just when you play something backwards you play it and then oh, you reverse okay. it okay so is this this is this one of those songs that they say is like satanic or they they play it backwards on purpose like, and that's the version you hear. Is that what you mean? Well, at the very end of this there is a prominent like section that is played backwards along with like the rhythm track being played forwards. Um and you know, conspiracy theories will say whatever, but they they did it just because they liked the experimentation of how it sounded. Interesting. Okay. I, I'll be honest, I've never heard this song, or if I have heard it, um, I forgot about it. So, very interesting. I have something to listen to this afternoon. Um, I've heard the song. I'm not super familiar with it, so I don't really feel like I can comment a lot on it, but um, has, uh, has the uh, resident person who always likes to pick out obscure... Um, Answers to questions, uh, I will give you props for picking up a pretty obscure Beatles song. So good job. <laughs> Thanks, I, 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 I will add something like I. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. <laughs> I will add something. I, I do often refer to things as like the Beatles of something. Uh, while I'm not the biggest fan, like, you know, I had to take like a history of rock and roll class in college. And that was basically, hey, here's everything the Beatles ever did. Um, so like one of those things that, and, you know, he talked about, um, you know, just playing the stuff backwards, they were super experimental and, uh, my favorite band of all time is queen. And a lot of stuff that queen was experimenting with in like the late seventies and the eighties, you know, Freddie Mercury will say like, Hey, listen, the kind of things that the Beatles were doing in the studio were things nobody like were doing at the time. And, uh, he like almost gave them credit for like what queen was becoming in the studio because of how experimental they were and how, how successful they were with it. 
Dude, I I took a history of rock and roll class two in college, and it was like the best fucking class ever. I it was my first. It was it, it was, was my sweet. first class in freshman year, and I was like, holy shit, college is the best. And then it was like, okay, you're done with that. It's time for organic chemistry. <laughs> Zoology four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. And at Ohio State, like that class was like a class that like all the basketball and football players took because it was easy, and you just go like. You're like, oh, okay, like, this week we're going to talk about Little Richard, so that's cool, you know? So, yeah, cool class. All right, let's move into number ones. Before we do, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey everybody, before we do our number one picks, we'd like to talk to you about that magical drink, the one that makes this podcast possible. That's right, we're talking about coffee. At a top three podcast, we are in way different time zones, and we record super late at night for for most of us, actually, and coffee is what makes it all tick. We're proud to share with you one of our favorite local roasteries, Barbell Brew. Barbell Brew provides single-origin coffee beans that are air-roasted in small batches on location in Troy, Ohio, and they're available for shipping nationwide. Check them out at barbellbrew.com where you can find pre-ground or whole bean coffee in several different varieties, or sign up for their Coffee of the Month program for a curated caffeination experience. We also have an exclusive deal for our listeners. 20% off your first order using the promo code TOP3 at checkout. That's the promo code TOP3, that's the number three in there, at checkout, 20% off your first order. Barbell Brew also has a really cool program called Coffee for a Cause, where each month they donate a percent of their profits to a different charity. So follow them at Barbell Brew Coffee Roasters on Facebook and at Barbell Brew Coffee on Instagram. And check our episode description for links to those pages and their website so you can get your coffee on. Support local coffee roasters and taste the difference. All right, back to those number ones. Oh, 
All right, we're back and it's time for number one. So I'm gonna get us started with my number one Beatles song, which you just heard there. And it is The Long and Winding Road. That's my all time favorite Beatles song. And like, it was difficult to put this list together, but it was not difficult for me to pick my favorite song uh, because this song, like, unless I'm distracted, like I'm not joking when I say this, if I'm not distracted by something and I'm actually just like listening to this song, it makes me cry every single time I listen to it. Um, music, <laughs> like movies and things don't make me cry, but music like really hits something like deep inside of me in this song, like every single time. And I think it's really interesting that like Paul McCartney did not want all of the like orchestration behind the song and he got really pissed off and tried to break up the band because of it uh, but I really like it like I like it better than the let it be naked version I actually don't like let it be naked at all really um, I like what's here here I like what Phil Spector did I, it's incredible it's very good so the long and winding road is it's just like this amazing love like this amazing like grand love song that like, this is why I think Paul McCartney is a much better songwriter than John Lennon ever was. Because John can do all this experimental shit that he, that like, obviously he liked doing. But Paul McCartney just consistently writes these incredible songs we talked about yesterday earlier. And now I'm talking about The Long and Winding Road, and we talked about Let It Be. And this, I don't know what it is about this song. Like, the lyrics really, like, really hit home for me, and it's that orchestration behind it the da, 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 like that is so good just love it my number one song it's really not close i i i just don't like that song dude i mean i i mean it's <laughs> it's great if you like it i just i don't know something it, that's like again i guess it's sort of like um eleanor rigby it's just one of those songs like i just always kind of skip it when it comes on i i don't you know, I don't really think that I can point to anything that's like bad about it. It's just like it just doesn't click with me for some reason. Fair enough. I mean, like we said, the Beatles have so many styles that like if there's a different style that the Beatles were in at some point in their career, that's like, that's your shit. This is this is my stuff like this late career um, stuff, mostly that Paul was doing. That's the stuff that I really, really love from the Beatles. And I, I like that too, man. I think Let It Be is, is Let It White Album, Abbey Road, and Let It Be are like the three my three go to Beatles albums. Yeah, and Let, I, it, I let think it Be each, is my favorite Beatles album and it's it's not particularly close. Mine too. Let It Be is my absolute favorite Beatles album. And I love everything that they were doing. I like how I, I think that it is so interesting because it was seeing everywhere they had gone musically up to that point and then to kind of do this you know kind of uh um reaching back to like their roots a little bit but then still doing something that's a, a little different and that you hadn't really heard from them before it wasn't that it was experimental but just a different style and a different you know a, some different influence in there i think it's really great but yeah i, I gotta say that that's like the one song of the album i always kind of skip so okay, i don't know man Okay. All right. <laughs> I All love right, you. Beth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I agree with you, Dave. I mean, it's a it's a a beautiful song. Um. I, it's not my favorite on the album, so I mean, I I have to say that. But yeah, I'm. 
and like I, I know this is not a song that like a lot of people would e- would point to as like the best Beatles song. Like I don't even think I would say right. it's the best Beatles song, and I don't think it's Paul McCartney's best song. But this is the song that like every time I listen to it and actually like like just like close my eyes and listen to it and focus like it's a it fucking hits me really hard and so it's got to be my number one. Oh yeah, I mean it's Fair it's enough. moving. Yeah. Also, it's definitely better on on the original album than it is on Let It Be Naked, but I feel like there's some stuff to be added from Let It Be Naked. I don't think it's all bad. It's not all bad, but like I disagree with like these are Paul's songs. So if he says like this is not my vision for the song, I'm upset about this, like I get it, but I like the other version better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I it's a fine song and it's produced really well and well, it's a fine song. Listen to me critiquing <laughs> Paul McCartney. It's it, it it's a good song. I but you know, given the choice between it or something, I I would choose something, I think almost every time. Yeah, like I said, like if we're talking about which is a better song, I th- I think there are a lot of Beatles songs that are better than it. It's just like this is just purely like my emotional thing like putting it at number one whereas if we're ranking it like top three best Beatles songs uh, I'm not sure where it would be but and anyway I think it's a great song plus the emotional connection easy number one for me let's take a nice. second and listen to some music from Aaron's number one and then we'll hear what he has to say I'm excited to hear this one All right. My number one favorite Beatles song is that Bilbo Baggins song by Leonard Nimoy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my, my, uh, my, my number one. <laughs> that's what you get for talking about Brian Pepper's Dave. Let that live in your head. Uh, my my favorite Beatles song is While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, that is my number one. Uh, it is. It, it's always the song that like when I think about like real quick who wrote that song george, george harrison. harrison oh shit all right you know paul mccartney two out of three okay maybe i'm still a paul dude but okay so one of the things i really really like about that song is it feels like a couple of different songs in one there's like a really re- like like it, it changes and, and, and again like i've only listened to the song like 30 times but there, there comes a point where it just goes from being like what to me is like a regular beatles song and then when it gets to like the instrumental part at the end it really 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 picks up and it's really cool uh i don't really have a whole lot to say about it dave earlier talked about how i was really good at ukulele which is not entirely you know true i'm, I'm fine at up. it Aaron, you're the best. You're the best ukulele player in this podcast right now. Okay, <laughs> that's. Are, are you sure? Like Rick said, he played instruments. Like let's let's think about this here. Uh, but no, you're the undisputed king, my man. It's all you. 
Rick, I think you should replace Alan. Okay, so the last thing I'm going to say about <laughs> this is there the to me the greatest ukulele player that I've ever seen play is a guy and I can't pronounce his last name right, but I'm going to try. It's Jake Shima Kaburo or something like that, and he does like a, a cover of "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." That is fucking incredible. Like I've never seen the guy a, a person play the ukulele like that. Like he he takes like what people think the limitations of that instrument are. And he does a Bohemian Rhapsody cover that's fucking awesome. But his While My Guitar Gently Weeps cover, like, you know, he, he's not singing. He's playing the vocal pattern while he's playing the music on it. And it's, it, it's, it's fucking brilliant. You've never listened to it. You should if you're a big Beatles fan. You like that song. But I just, I think it's the best Beatles song. I, I, I think it's the one I enjoy the most. So I, I'm not going to talk anymore. Uh, but my number one is While My Guitar Gently Weeps. While my ukulele gently weeps. Oh, so there is somebody who does that on YouTube and he says the word ukulele and I'm just like, that's like the cringiest like thing in the world. I'm just like, come on, Believe bro. Me. Like you're just, you're, you're destroying art, bro. Come on. Believe me. I don't feel great about what I just did either. I don't, I'm surprised you did it. You're like <laughs> the one with your like head together. So weird. <laughs> this song's great. I really like, I, there's like a, there's like a tone to it. It's a very warm song. Like it's warm and comfy and I don't have any better descriptors for it, but that's how I feel when listening to it. It's a very, very good song. Enjoy it a lot. I I have two things to say about this, uh, this song really quickly. So one, um, George, uh, George Harrison actually invited his good friend, Eric Clapton on to play the guitar solo and overdub the lead guitar part. Uh, and then Eric Clapton went on to steal George Harrison's wife and write an entire song about her. Uh, and then, you know, continues to be a general Piece jackass to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So, damn. yeah. <laughs> damn. I know it's going to like bleep my voice because I was so loud into my mic right there. But damn, I, I don't know a lot about Eric Clapton, but I've heard some I've heard he's fucking I heard he sucks, dude. Let's uh, let's just say that like since the pandemic started, Eric Clapton's been showing oh his ass a lot, a lot. That's why that's why I know about him. Yeah, yeah. He he released a whole song recently about like you know don't oppress me, and it's like oh my god, okay. Eric um, Clapton stayed your lane. But the second the second thing, super quick, I actually sent Dave a uh, a YouTube clip of this song being performed by a supergroup consisting of Neil Morse, who is the singer from Spock's Beard. Uh, Paul Gilbert on guitar and Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater on drums and it is just oh it's so good yeah it's a great song and it's like I said I think something is George's best song but it's not like that's taking anything away from this song because this is also like an all time Beatles song I think that I think this song is up there with anything that like Paul and John ever did too like this is top quality Beatles right here couldn't agree Um, more yeah I like this song I think I I think I like the idea behind it a little bit more than I like the execution um I just never like personally like has a as a real guitar heavy or driven song, it never like touched me in that way. But like, I, I mean, I still think it's a good song. I think it's a, it's a well-written song. And I like the melody. So like, um, I always kind of thought, you know, when people want to really cover it as, you know, kind of an inter- instrumental piece, um, I never really quite got that. But other than that, I mean, I, I think it's a good song. 
Listen to that ukulele version, dude. I, I swear to God, it's fucking insane. Like, you look oh, at the guy I and you're like, oh, shit, before, that is insane. Aaron, send me a link and I'll put that in the uh, episode description for people people who want to hear, like, a just someone go to town on a ukulele. There, There is nobody better. Only I will. in kind of a sexual way. It's all sexual, Dave. That's the, that's the thing, is it's all sexual. Yeah. Ukulele is the most sensual of all of the stringed instruments. Yeah, I don't think there's an argument to be made against that. <laughs> Most of them are made from koa wood. So, like, think about that for a second. I don't want to think about that. That's <laughs> going to send me down a road that I can't come back I don't from. Even, I don't even know if that's true. I don't know. So, let's listen to a little bit of Alan's number one Beatles song, and then we'll come back and we'll hear what he has to say. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better Remember to let her into your heart Then you can start to make it better Hey Jude, don't be afraid You were made to So my number one is uh, Hey Jude. I am kind of surprised no one else has said it yet. I think maybe someone else is going to say it. I don't know. Um, But I think that this is far... I mean, this is probably one of my top three favorite songs of all time, period. Not even... Not exclusive to the Beatles. Um, It is not on an album, but you've all heard it, obviously. It wasn't included on the album because they thought it was just too fucking long, Um, which it is. uh, Clocking (laughs) in at over eight minutes. I mean, it's a it's a a long bit of work, but it's great from beginning to end. It starts out with just Paul and piano, and it just builds from there into this, um, like orchestral crescendo, um, at the end, and it's uh. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about uh, kind of that comfort music that you can get from the Beatles, and Hey Jude is is uh, like the the prototypical comfort music song. You know, things are going to be better. It can get you know, having hope is good. Have hope. Um, I, I I don't know what else to say. Hey Jude is a it's a beautiful piece of music. Yes, it's long. Uh, it's worth it every time you spend that time though. Yeah, totally agree. Good song. And I talk about karaoke a lot on this podcast. Hey Jude is an ultimate karaoke song. Like if you get the right right, uh, mood in the room, nothing will bring people together like, you know, being super drunk and someone sings Hey Jude up at karaoke. Like you'll get the whole bar on your side. So that's bonus points for Hey Jude. Also, a lot of mentions in the Dark Tower of Hey Jude. That's one of the songs that uh, Roland hears in the background a lot during the story. 
that and that and that ZZ Top song. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's a uh, I I it, it, I like that song. Um, Hey Jude probably would have been my number one pick too, but I decided to go against it just to kind of because I figured someone else would have um, <laughs> something mentioned it. Heard of? <laughs> no, um, I mean I love that song. I think it's that piano. Uh, line is so iconic. I mean, I, I, I know I've, you know, obviously I've heard the song a million times. I've seen it in movies. I mean, I think famously in like Royal Tannenbaums, like that's the, you know, the first like five minutes of the movie is them playing that song while they do all the intros and stuff like that. Um, it's just, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's just, you know, magic that, that line is, you know, just stands the test of time. It's so, you know, unique and special and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I just like the song goes on and it becomes like such a jam toward the end. And it's like everything that Paul McCartney does well. I mean, like his voice, it's so good. The story behind the song and what it's about, I think is really, really touching too. Um, it's about, uh, it's about John Lennon's divorce from his first wife and Paul McCartney's writing the song to his, to his, uh, his son, Julian. Right. I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it definitely, it was going to be my number one, but I figured I, I legit thought you were going to pick it. So I went with something different. So good, good choice. It's for proving me right. <laughs> you know how I love to do that. <laughs> yeah. This is another one of those crazy instances where Paul is able to just think up of a think up of a, a song almost on the spot. Like um, bloodbath. You'd mentioned, the backstory didn't he like supposedly compose it on the ride to see uh cynthia and and uh the children that's my understanding is that yeah it was composed in the car it was originally hey jules for hey julian um but the decision was made at some point to, to change it to hey jude um but yeah on on a ride over to see julian because he and julian were close um you know, it was, yeah, great song, great story behind it. Uh, just, just another reason why Paul is the number one Beatle. And that's something a lot of people are taking away from that uh, that documentary that's on Disney Plus, or even if it's even a documentary. But you know, whatever, whatever. That like Paul McCartney, these songs that we think of as like absolute classics, like peak songwriting and Paul McCartney just like throws them together in a couple of minutes like this is just it's just something that comes to him almost fully formed uh it's incredible and I think just you know to kind of like emphasize that too you know like the song and the story behind it go together so well and it's they're so kind of hand in hand and it's you know that for for people that maybe sometime you know that are listening to this episode or or hear me or someone else talk about you know music sometimes and um you know maybe don't quite understand this the passion or the love for it you know the way it gets described by some of us sometimes like that's like really a big part of where it comes from it's like you know that the story you know the story and the song going together like that i mean it's so like you know that's you know, it, it enriches both aspects of it so well. And like, that's like part of like the love for music is that, you know, it, there are these stories behind the songs and, and the creators and the people who, um, 
play music and stuff like that and it's you know like i said it kind of it's it's one and one it goes together so well and it's it's so you know that's definitely kind of one of the you know that's a good example of what the driving force is for a lot of people who are big music fans so i think it's a good example yeah and i'll add on to that by just saying that like living overseas this is this is a beatles song that like i feel like even people who like didn't grow up listening to the Beatles or didn't grow up with like big exposure to the Beatles. Like I know Aaron like doesn't listen to the Beatles in his free time, but he knows this song. Like I feel like everyone's got to know this song or have heard it, or you at least know the, you know, the, the refrain at the end. But like, this is a song that like it even crosses over into places where people don't hear the Beatles growing up. So like here in Korea, some people of course know the Beatles better than other, but it's not a cultural institution like it is in the West. And, but people know this song, people know, Hey Jude. And I think that is another like testament to like the quality of the songwriting, just like this is an extremely catchy, um, but also very heartfelt song. Yeah. Wait, th- that just uh, reminded me, is this the song that like supposedly in, um, some countries, I don't want to say it, South Korea, but maybe the Philippines or, or, or Taiwan, like people have sang this at karaoke so poorly that they got assaulted. Is that this song? <laughs> <laughs> what? I, uh, I, 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 I swear know. that's, a, I, I, I swear that's a thing. I hope so. It, it's one of the Beatles, like big songs. It's maybe this or, or let it be or something. I don't know. That totally happened though. Look it up. I'm sure. Yeah. I would think it would be this song. Yeah, because this is another one that's like super popular at karaoke and stuff. And like they assaulted them because the singing was so bad and they were like insulted by like fucking up one of their favorite songs or they were singing it poorly for nine minutes and you were like, hey, shut the fuck up or I'm coming in there. (laughs) Little of column A, little of column B. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, probably. All right, so let's listen to a little bit of Bloodbath's number one Beatles song, and then uh, we'll hear his rationale for it. So my number one is "Don't Let Me Down." Um, now this is one of the first Beatles songs that I think really um, made me a fan. Um, I think, um, I think the first the first few Beatles songs I really started listening to, like I think I'd gotten the greatest hits. So, I, it, but it was like the they it was the 
it was the second half, so it was like their sixty-seven to like seventy like greatest hits, and like the first track on there is like Strawberry Fields. So like, I was really inundated with a lot of that stuff at first, and so I, uh, you know, it took me a while to kind of warm up uh, to the band overall, and like this is one of the first songs that really caught me. Um, and again, it, I mean, you know, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, like it's the it's the um, piano or the organ on here. Um, I think really sets it apart. Um, I think this era of the Beatles is super interesting for how they, you know, kind of delve back into like kind of that classic rock and the roots uh, of their sound, but then still find a way to do something so different. And um, I think this song is very different. It, I think it's real soulful. Like a lot of the songs on that on the tail end of their career are, have like a lot more soul. Um, influence to them. Um, obviously, they have people like Billy Preston coming in and Herbie Hancock and other guys, um, you know, contributing. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, by this point, they had the uh, money and the cachet to really, uh, you know, meet a lot of other musicians and, and listen to a lot of music and really expand um, their horizon. So, I think that that really comes fully formed when you get to. Uh, this era and, and songs like this. So, um, yeah. And then just, you know, when you watch any of the footage of them on top of the roof, uh, playing the song too, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, I can't separate the two. I just think that that's pretty much perfect. That's like the Beatles to me. So, um, number one, don't let me down. That's a John song, right? Uh, I think it is. Um, again, watching the Beatles documentary, they were working the song out and, uh, I feel like Paul was, it might be a John, John song, but Paul was like really like, you know, trying to help everyone flesh it out the most, I think. And it sounds very different in the beginning when they're working on it. Like they had a very different vision, how the song goes versus how it ends up. So, yeah, but I don't know who it was that wrote it. Well, it's John singing, right? It was John. Yeah. 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 yeah that's a good song. There's a lot of uh, like, it it feels like a very like from the heart song. Don't let me down. I mean, like the name of it kind of says it, but I, I even feel like the lyrics go a lot like deeper into that feeling than just like the title would tell you. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, it just, you know, it, it just comes back on that whole idea of, you know, just, you know, a real, a much more soulful sound than um, a lot of their previous stuff. So, I I love "Don't Let Me Down." It's a great song. It has that same sort of feel that "Let It Be" has. Um, you know, great pick. It's also, I think, it's got just a little bit of, even though I think it's a really. Um, I guess orchestrated song. I mean, it, it's definitely, it has a lot of pieces to it. It's very well, um, um, together and stuff like that. It, it's also got like a much more like kind of improvisational feel. It's got a lot more, you know, again, like soul to it. it. It feels more spontaneous and it's got a lot more kind of, you know, written and kind of, you know, um, it's, it, it's got more, a lot more of a living, breathing sort of feel to it than some of their other stuff does. It doesn't feel quite as mechanical sometimes as a recording. So I also think that's why I, I like it a little bit. It feels looser. And this is one of the songs from that rooftop concert, right? 
like they're doing it up on the yes. rooftop. Yeah, I really enjoyed that version of it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I I know this song, but I I don't know this song. Do you know what I mean? Like I can I can hear it, but I'm not really familiar with it. Yeah, give it a listen. I like I I think it's like I think it's one of John Lennon's best songs in like the second half of the Beatles career. Like I just John went in like a musical direction later in his career that I just like it's just not my thing, but I really like the like the feeling in this song that he's singing with. It feels very genuine like the way that he's singing this. So, give that another listen. It's I mean, it's good. I think it's a pretty powerful song. So, let's listen to a little bit of Rick's number one, and then we'll finish this out. Okay, so there are works of music that I that I listen to at different points in my life, like Beethoven Symphony Seven, or the works of Charles Ives, and they like they always mean something different to me, and they kind of grow with me. And uh, this piece is no exception. And I'm I'm surprised nobody has mentioned it yet, um, and it's not on the Google Doc list of anybody's uh, top threes. But uh, my number one that I would argue is is their artistic peak is a day in the life. Yeah. I mentioned that earlier, just in passing when we were talking about Sergeant Peppers, but I fucking love that song. Go on, man. Yeah. So rather, rather than give my feelings about it, I'm just going to do a really quick front to back of, of the song. So the form is ABA coda, which is one of the most common musical forms in existence. And what's perfect about this is it's the genesis, it's the synthesis of everything the Beatles have done up to this point, as well as uh, Brian Epstein's, uh, or George Martin, excuse me, George Martin's producing chops. It, it starts, the A section is John, and it's his sort of ethereal playing punctuated by Ringo's drums, and he's taking these lyrics that he finds in everyday life, like in the newspaper, um, based on his life of being uh, in a movie that he that he uh, was a part of, and he spins this sort of narrative, and it's, it ends with this phrase, I'd love to turn you on which, you know, they just straight up said was a drug thing, which, of course, um, moves on to the B section, which is Paul McCartney. The song is instantly different. Um, this was the McCartney part, and it's, you know, typical sort of pop rock stuff with McCartney's quaint lyrics painting about just everyday life that he does so well. And then we're back into the A section again, the the John stuff. And, you know, it's we, we've talked about John versus Paul. This is them working together in such a big, beautiful way. And then what's what's amazing is it ends with this coda with symphony musicians and what they're all doing is they're 
just playing this cacophony of sound, starting at the lowest register of their instrument, going up to the highest chromatically, note by note, at different speeds. They can stop and start, and the resulting sound is just this, uh, this, this mass of this wall of sound, and it's it's just growing and growing, and <clears throat> excuse me, and you know, it, it's this tension and the listener doesn't know where we, where we could possibly go. And this, we don't know if we're going to be okay. And then it, it ends just perfectly. It's five pianos, five grand pianos, all in a concert hall after a big, big horn punctuation, just pounding the, 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 <clears throat> the tonic chord, E major, five pianos with everything turned up so high on the mic sensitivity wise that you can even hear Ringo's shoe squeak. And it, holds out for 53 seconds it is just perfect like i (laughs) i get so emotional listening to this song it is i i just really think it's it's their greatest work i really do i rick you can't see me but i've been like furiously nodding along the whole time because like that John does his part. I like how you you see the difference in the song between like, okay, John is doing his part and it's like, it's 100% distilled John Lennon in this part. And then Paul does his part. And like you said, it's distilled Paul McCartney in this part. And they, you know, they kind of connect it together with these little psychedelic uh, things. And then, yeah, that buildup at the end is crazy. It's the way that you describe it like start at the lowest note work up chromatically all the way to the top that should sound like shit like musically that should sound terrible but it doesn't it fits with the song and then yeah i was gonna say if you didn't mention that ending note and how just how forceful that ending chord is it's fantastic it's one of my favorite songs and like i was gonna say earlier when alan was talking about sergeant pepper um, I forgot that A Day in the Life is the end of Sgt. Pepper's. And, like, I don't really care for that album as a whole, but this song is, like, a perfect way to end uh, such a a trip of an album that, that Sgt. Pepper's is. It, it's fantastic. And then... it It is... Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's ahead, like man. the peak of the eclectic mix that is Sgt. Pepper's, right? It, it is pure triumph, not not to dismiss Let It Be, of course, because that's good too, but it's like they're that ending chord and they they're letting it hold out for so long. It is it they're putting a pin, they're tying the bow on their grand collaborative <clears throat> collaborative effort that they've done so far, just as a way of saying, like, this is our love letter, like this is what who we are. It is so good. Oh, and by the way, that um, cacophony of like the starting at the lowest note of the orchestral musicians and going up, um, if it sounds like the THX logo in movies, <laughs> that's because it directly inspired that. Like that's where that comes from. Interesting. Also, one more thing about A Day in the Life is like after that ending note fades out, I, I think I saw an interview with one of the Beatles. There's this really, really high pitched sound. Uh, at the end that's like barely perceptible to human ears you can hear it but it's super high pitched and i read it was either a joke or the truth i'm not sure but like one of the beatles was like yeah we threw that in there to if you're just letting the record play like to make your dog wonder what's happening because it's this super (laughs) high frequency pitch that you can barely hear at the end yeah good song that's funny yeah, that's a really good song. I like it. Um, 
it, I wouldn't say I don't think it would be on my top ten list even uh, for Beatles songs because it's just not really like the sound. It's not the type of song that they do that I'm I'm looking for when I like you know search the Beatles on Spotify or whatever if I'm looking through my records. Um, but I I do really appreciate um, not only how like um, passionately you're describing the song. I think it's it's really touching. But um, I also really appreciate how influence how influential that is. Um, to so many other artists down the road, um, it's not. A, I don't think it's a big secret. I'm a huge uh, indie rock kid, um, so you know I know there's a ton of bands that um, specifically uh, name check that song uh, as an inspiration. Obviously, um, Radiohead's "Paranoid Android" is based on "Day in the Life" um, structurally. So um, I think that another excellent song. Yeah, I th- so I think it's really you know a testament to them how. Uh, you know, I'm. Sh- I, I mean, that obviously wasn't a hit for them at the time, and I'm sure a lot of people liked it, but it probably flew over a lot of people's heads then, and to come around like it did, uh, and be such a major influence for so many different styles of music that became popular. So, um, you know, I think that speaks a lot too. Yeah, it's a very, very good song, and that is a great song to finish out our top three lists. Like I, I couldn't think of a better one uh, to kind of put a button on the real lists. And now we're going to move into honorable mentions, which are going to be more lightning round style. So I will get us started with, uh, I have, well, okay. I have three because Aaron mentioned while my guitar, guitar gently weeps. So uh, honorable mention to yesterday, which I actually forgot when I was making my list uh, until it was brought up during the recording, but I think yesterday's like one of the best songs ever made. Uh, I want you. She's so heavy. Uh, I just love that song like so much. And in my life, a very sweet, very sweet song. Aaron, how about you? So what I, what I will say, I like yesterday and I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that it's boys to men, but boys to men does a cover of yesterday. That is so fucking good. Okay. Uh, oh, sure my it is. Yo, it's 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 awesome. Uh, my honorable mention is going to be "Across the Universe." Uh, just another one of those songs that translates really, really well to ukulele. Very pretty song. I, I like the way the vocals move through it. So, yeah, "Across the Universe." Honorable mention. Okay, Alan, how about you? Uh, his microphone's not on. Oh, we lost Alan. He's muted. Alan, you're muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm going to do three, two. Um, mine are Blackbird, In My Life, and um, Got to Get You Into My Life. Blackbird's a good song. I do like that song. Blackbird's such a good song. I can't believe nobody else threw it on there. I wanted to, but I just uh, I couldn't do it. So well, pretty. bloodbath. What could you do for yours? Paperback <laughs> uh, <laughs> writer with a little help from my friends. Um, get back and uh, hide your love away. The bass playing and paperback oh, writer beautiful. is so fucking good. Love it. So good. Also, drive my car. I love that one too. And Rick, how about you? Honorable mentions. Yeah, so just real rapid fire. Um, Revolution 9, I don't find it listenable, but I appreciate the experimentation. Uh, Hey Bulldog, just because that's just chunky and aggressive and really fun. 
Uh, Your Blues, same as Hey Bulldog, and A Hard Day's Night, because it's got the coolest opening chord I think I've ever heard. Yeah, good opening chord. And A Hard Day's Night is probably my favorite of the, like, early Beatles stuff. Yeah, great song. Um, If we're going to recommend one song for people listening who don't like the Beatles, uh, like Aaron, uh, Revolution 9 should probably be the one, I think. (laughs) It's going to be the one that changes your mind. Oh, it'll change their mind, all right. You guys <laughs> should listen to Obla D Obla Da. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get started with our listener responses. And we set a, uh, I think this is a top three podcast record for most listener responses for this topic. <laughs> That's the Michael why, Bumpus Yeah, thing why did the Michael Bumpus horn go off? I, That's I, was, weird. I was celebrating. This is a cool thing. When you said it we is. had a bunch of responses, I'm like, look at this. I'm like, holy fuck, what? Yeah, there are a lot. So let's get started. First up is Matt R. And his number three is This Boy. Number two, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Number one, In My Life. And honorable mention, I'm So Tired. Oh, I love I'm So Tired. Next up, we have the objectively greatest podcast name of all time, the Big Drink Energy Podcast. Their number three <laughs> is Helter Skelter. Their number two is I Want to Hold Your Hand. Number one, Rocky Raccoon. And uh, I thought there was an honorable mention, but there's not. Hella sick podcast name. Uh, next up, we have Chris N, whose number three is the entire Yellow Submarine album. <laughs> number two is also the entire Yellow Submarine album. <laughs> and his number one is Revolution, not specific as to this number. <laughs> Chris N. loves that album yeah uh all right next up we have mo his number three is get back number two something number one come together and honorable mention obladi obladi the long and winding road and all of abbey road i come together that was crazy come together is like one of their most famous songs i'm surprised nobody said that i guess it is i i don't like that song i think it's i i I, yeah same same i i used to always think that but here lately i've gotten way more into it i don't know what it is but i'm i'm down for that one fair enough uh next up we've got ryan their number three is get back number two hey jude and with surprisingly the first appearance on this show, number one, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I also think that song's annoying. <laughs> I, I, I do not <laughs> like that song. Yeah, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Ryan. Hey, Jude is good, and, and Get Back is good. I'm with you, Ryan. <laughs> Dave, stop saying nice things about Ryan. All right. All right. At least Rick's on your side, Ryan. Uh, next up is Wes from the So Many Games, So Little Time podcast. Number three, Octopus's Garden. Number two, As My Guitar Gently Weeps. And number one, Eleanor Rigby. I love Octopus's Garden. That is a great, yeah, great Ringo Ringo Star as a listener is he's uh, he's squirming in his chair right now. He's so happy. <laughs> yeah, he Go got Ringo. his first real mention. <laughs> what if uh, what if this isn't actually like Wes? What if it's actually Ringo just with an alias? <laughs> All right, Ringo, time to send us some of that octopus garden money. All right, next (laughs) up we have Nave from the Gaming Together podcast. Uh, Their number three is I Want You, She's So Heavy. Number two, Don't Let Me Down. Number one, Here Comes the Sun. 
I'm kind of surprised we haven't mentioned Here Comes the Sun until then. Another just beautiful, beautiful song. I, I considered Here Comes the Sun. Didn't make the cut. But beautiful. Uh, next up is Heather, whose number three is Eleanor Rigby. Number two is Come Together, and number one is Blackbird. Solid list. All right. Next up, we have Hua, and her number three is I Want to Hold Your Hand. Number two is Hey Jude. Number one, Across the Universe, and an honorable mention, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I just want to ask Dave, like, does Hua, like, genuinely like or listen to the Beatles often? Yeah, it's in the rotation. Yeah, it's in the rotation. Yeah. I, I also, I just think it's really funny that, like, I Want to Hold Your Hand was such a dangerous and controversial topic in popular music at the time it's just consistently <laughs> funny to me i mean there's oh, nothing yeah. more satanic now than we holding have hands M&M. yeah. <laughs> funny thing about my hand is it's on my dick so oh, okay there it is there it is, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was so out of character that's funny <laughs> Uh, next up we've got Jim their number three is paperback writer number two a day in the life oh there's a day in the life and number one here comes the sun Uh, a couple honorable mentions all my loving I've got a feeling I've just seen a face in my life and the entirety of revolver Jim likes the Beatles Jim loaded up Jim legit sent me like five top three lists and was like hey if anyone says any of these songs (laughs) just like sub these in and Jim, that's a lot of work, my man. But <laughs> Sorry, you have bro, a good we don't list. do work here. Yeah. You have a good <laughs> list. I wasn't going to do all that work. Yeah, yeah we, we try to do work here. I, this, uh, this topic, like, I was talking to Jim, and he was like, this topic really stressed him out, just trying to pick three, as you can tell. So next up, we have Jake. Uh, Jake's number three is the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. Number two, getting better. And number one, Hey Jude. Nice. I've never heard uh, Jake's number three, but that is objectively a top tier uh, song title. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, Sarah Boosh from the What Would Mom Do podcast. Huge friend of the show, my girl. Uh, number three is Baby, You're a Rich Man. Number two is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, number one, Abbey Road Medley. Nice. Uh, good number three, Sarah. I seriously uh, grappled with throwing that on my list. And I listened to the Abbey Road medley yesterday in its entirety when I was doing some work. It's a it's a very good thing. And like like I said, that Beatles medley or the Beatles marathon that happens in Columbus every year, seeing them do the the Abbey Road medley was really really cool. That sounds cool. Uh, next up, we have Ben, whose number three is Hey Jude. Number two is Let It Be, and number one is Here Comes the Sun. Solid list, Ben. All right, next up we have Jamie. Her number three is Blackbird. Number two, I want to hold your hand. And number one, hold me tight. Did you hear how Bloodbath said his wife's name? He's like, next up is Jamie. You're the cutest (laughs) fucking person in the world, dude. Jamie's lucky to goddamn have you, man. Bloodbath's the most romantic motherfucker on here. Bloodbath, my dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) 
Uh, next up, we've got Craig. He's got uh, number three, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Number two, Tomorrow Never Knows. Love that one. And number one, Blackbird, with an honorable nod to Hey Jude. And wrapping this up, we have Christina, also known as XXXTina. She says, number three, she came in through the bathroom window. Number two, Here Comes the Sun. Number one, Oh Darling, which is a great song that no one's mentioned yet. Oh Darling. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention for you, Aaron. Oh blah dee, oh blah da. It's a great song and I love it. I'll never say a bad thing about it ever. Good, good. Glad <laughs> we turned, that was the purpose of this podcast was ooh, to turn Aaron ooh. around on that one particular song. Wait, so you let's pick a winner. That. Can I pick the winner? Because I know almost like 20% of these songs. Yes. All right. The winner is clearly the Big Drink Energy podcast for that. <laughs> top tier podcast name. Hell yeah. There we go. Good job, boys. Much better podcast name than a top three podcast. I, I don't even I, I don't even want you to say our name after we've said their name. <laughs> Craig right. failed just because he didn't mention Kirby. I was trying to think of a pun. I was like, somebody's got to have a. There's so many Beatles songs. Somebody's got to have a Kirby pun. Well, it didn't. It didn't uh, materialize. Well, Kirby we is actually Paul McCartney's father's name, but <laughs> I don't know if he ever wrote a song about it. Paul's Paul's dead. Kirby took over. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, did maybe Kirby ate Paul and absorbed his musical talents and he's just oh. the disguise is pretty good so no one's noticed yet because he's wearing like a, a Paul McCartney wig on top of can you imagine Kirby with like a six like an early sixties Beatles wig on his yes. head? Yes, I can. Yeah, that would be great. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good image. Fan art. That's some fan art somebody needs to make. Oh yeah. All right. So thank you everybody for writing in with your top threes. Like I said, that was probably a record for number of listener top threes. So we appreciate all of you for anyone listening. If you didn't participate and you want to participate in upcoming episodes, keep your eyes on our social media pages. That's at a top three podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The calls are going out once a month for our monthly recording sessions and if you send in your top threes, comment or DM, we will include them in the show. So before we say goodbye for today, Rick, our special guest today, is the host of a very good podcast, one that I enjoy a lot. So Rick, can you explain for our listeners what your show is all about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I am one of two members of a podcast called Pixel Project Radio. Uh, it's me and my my very dear friend Ben. We uh, each week roughly talk about uh, either a topic in video games, uh, do a sort of retrospective conversation about a game or series, or we do a deep dive analysis on a game. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. We are closing out our year. Uh, some of our favorite episodes that we've done so far have been on Undertale, uh, Disco Elysium, The Witcher, and Superliminal. And uh, yeah, we uh, also would just like to say that we are both fans of a top three podcast as well. Um, would be remiss to say that. So happy to be here. But Great. yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for Thank plugging you, our show. Yeah, man. So thanks for coming on today. And also, like like I said, I really enjoy listening to Pixel Project Radio for people who like video games. Uh, the conversation is very thoughtful and. Um, it I don't know like I feel like a lot of 
video games podcasts or a lot of podcasts in general, ours included sometimes, is like, you know, the boys get drunk and just shoot the shit. And uh, I don't, you know, I do one of those podcasts, so I don't want to listen to a lot of other people do it a lot of times, but Pixel Project Radio is very uh, thoughtful and I really, really enjoy listening to it. So everyone here, if you like video games, check that out, Pixel Project Radio. Yeah, Rick, and honestly, man, yeah, that was it was so awesome having you on tonight. Like, just the little stories you had about the Beatles and stuff that even, you know, Bloodbath hadn't heard of. Like, the one time Bloodbath, I was like, oh, I hadn't heard that. I was like, Rick is the new Bloodbath. So <laughs> it was just really awesome having you on, man. You did, a, it was, you did an awesome job. Very, very, very thoughtful. Now, the, the pleasure is all mine. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Although I do want to say earlier in the show, Aaron, you said that I should replace Alan. And uh, Alan, I'm sorry about that because uh, that was mean Aaron you shouldn't have said that <laughs> I was right <laughs> you just you just can't pay attention to anything Aaron says yeah he's right ever he's, he's no right. matter what's going on <laughs> no, no matter what yeah I except, will always hear you except when we're talking about the song keep yourself alive by Queen then you should maybe <laughs> listen to what Aaron says but other than that yeah, I no. mean, we, sh- we should do a top three favorite things about keep yourself alive <laughs> all right my number one is that part in the middle that's like spoken word that's my, that's my number one. <laughs> okay. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to support a top three podcast again, the best thing to do is to tell people about it. The next best thing is to leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, and on Good Pods, where you can find the show. Other than that, pay attention to our social media pages so you can keep up to date with what's coming out and look out for those listener calls. I should also say, like, uh, I can't believe we've done several episodes since I started my own video games podcast. (laughs) My show is called Tales from the Backlog, where every week I go in-depth on one particular game that I've played with a different guest. Uh, Aaron has been on a couple episodes at this point. An episode with Rick will be coming out uh, soon after you hear this episode, and I'm looking forward to having Bloodbath and Alan on at some time. So, yeah, uh, that's called Tales from the Backlog, and I figure I should start plugging my own show sometimes. So here we go. So lots of podcasts to check out. We got the Big Drink Energy podcast. We've got What Would Mom Do, as always, The Rat Hour with Rat Boy, Pixel Project Radio. Rat Hour back. And Tales from the Backlog. That's right. The Rat Hour is back. Rat Hour's back, baby. Citrus talk is coming. I always skip that part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, one more time, Rick, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. having you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Bloodbath, Aaron, Alan, whatever. I'll I'll see you guys next time. We'll be around. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Under the oar. <laughs> I read the news today, oh boy. Four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. And though the holes were rather small, they had to count them all. Takes to fill the out.